0: <laughs> and good. night. Bang! <laughs>
1: that was great What, what is this? This and a lot of talk about Switchblade. My God! What the hell? That's Chris Jericho! Jericho! Chris Jericho! It's Chris Jericho! What is this? Kenny Omega. What a dynamic performer. What a fantastic, tremendous performer. But he's not the best in the world. I am. So many have claimed to be the best from Shawn Michaels to Edge to CM Punk. But they're all gone. And I'm still here. Because I am the best in the world. I am the greatest of all time. I am the alpha of this business. And I'm going to prove it. Because I'm challenging you, Kenny. What? Jericho versus Kenny.
0: What? Alpha
1: versus Omega. To see who is really the best. I want to meet you January 4th. What? In the Tokyo That can't even happen, can it?
0: So let's see who's
1: really the best. Oh, oh my God. Did I just see what I think I saw? What just happened?
0: All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Podcast Express. Wow, we got a breaking news audio edition of uh, the show. It's not our usual Thursday night show. We're just kind of doing this on a Sunday before the 49ers get ready uh, to play the Arizona Cardinals. And uh, I I thought it was a, a big enough deal. Uh, that we could actually do a, a good thirty minutes on uh, on Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega being set up for a uh, Wrestle Kingdom twelve. So, uh, hey Joe, thanks for coming on today, man. How you doing?
1: Doing pretty good, man. And yeah, I think honestly, probably the biggest news story in wrestling in a while, and maybe the biggest match in New Japan history. I mean, I'm sure they've had other you know huge money matches, but in terms of what this means to their American view. I mean, this is probably the best way to get Americans to start watching a really great product. So, yeah. good for them.
0: Yeah, I, I think this is the biggest deal that they can uh, make to uh, expand into the U.S. And I, uh, I wrote a little article for the gtbpodcast.com website, uh, saying just that—that that, um, this it's not the most important match in uh, New Japan history because they've had matches where they had like you know sixty million people watching all at once back in like the '60s and '70s, but. Um, it, for their expansion into the U.S., I would absolutely say that this might be might end up being the most important match in New Japan Pro Wrestling history because uh, without the U.S. expansion, they're always going to be more of a regional uh, territory. Uh, not an indie. I would never call them an indie because indie, indie shows don't do 40,000 people instead of a dome, so I would never yeah. say that. But um, definitely more of a territorial uh, promotion, and now they're expanding worldwide, and they're expanding into the U.S. market and if they got Chris Jericho on board, that's a, that's a huge deal.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Chris Jericho is a worldwide star. I mean, his his time in WWE and WCW and his time with Fozzie, the guy, he is a legitimate rock star as well. He has a big following. Um, not that social media numbers mean everything, but he does have 3.3 million followers on Twitter. You know, that's a huge advertising base for you. With him talking about Wrestle Kingdom, his fans who probably have never even watched New Japan before, you know, you have an entirely new set of eyes on it because of one wrestler. He's probably the biggest guy out there that New Japan could have locked down to face Kenny Omega at Wrestle Kingdom. And honestly, I'd be surprised if we see this match only happen once. I'd, I would say we see it a couple times.
0: Well, uh, I'm predicting that it's a, a one-off deal. Only because, you know, Jericho has stated in the past that he would never work for anybody other than Vince McMahon. And I I see him coming back to WWE one day. Maybe after his Jericho cruise has been has done and over with. But, um, yeah, no, you're right. This absolutely could be a, a multiple match series. I'm predicting it's a one match deal. Um, but, you, man, you never know with Jericho. He always kind of... He leaves people hanging. You never really, he's the most unpredictable guy in wrestling, I would say. And just when you think he is, you know, he's going to be laying low, he's not going to be wrestling, and all of a sudden he pops up. And this was honestly the last thing that I expected. I never in the world expected him to show up on New Japan television challenging Kenny Omega for Wrestle Kingdom 12 at all.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, as late as last night, he was saying on Twitter, I want no part of New Japan. I want no part of the Tokyo Dome. But I have another place in mind, you know, and he gave his little cruise ship, which, you know, we, we discussed, we thought it was logical for it to happen on the Jericho. crews. I mean, they've already got the young bucks there. They're going to have other ring of honor guys. It, It made sense. And then for it to change just completely overnight within the sound of a few hours, I mean, everything changed because when Jericho tweeted that out last night, Omega said, you know, I'll leave this alone for now, but I'll have a response at noon Eastern tomorrow. And then within the matter of a couple hours, the entire story just changed. They they had a new challenge, and it was set for Wrestle Kingdom. I didn't expect this at all. That was not the news I expected to wake up to today.
0: Yeah, well, and I especially didn't expect to wake up to the news at fucking 5.30 in the morning from a text message <laughs> from you, you asshole.
1: <laughs> My bad. My bad. I, sometimes I forget I'm two hours ahead. <laughs> yeah.
0: I, like, uh, I got a text message, and I, and I was, like, thinking it was, like, okay, it's 5.30 in the morning. It's probably got to be an emergency. Let me look. And it's like, oh, Jericho's <laughs> coming back to fucking New Japan. I was like, oh shit. What the- <laughs> and then, uh, and then I, after I saw it, I couldn't sleep. So I just, I've just been up ever since then because I was so excited to uh, talk yeah. about it. <laughs> and, and then uh, I was so excited to see the video that you sent me. So, uh, <laughs> so I do forgive you for that, but you're still yeah. an asshole for waking me up yeah. at five thirty in the morning.
1: <laughs> My bad. You gotta be up at five thirty in the morning anyway, you old ass, it's Sunday. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, yeah, no, but that's awesome. And um, you know, Wrestle Kingdom twelve is looking to be one of the you know, it could end up being one of the biggest wrestling events of all time. I mean, it's not gonna be WrestleMania status. Like, because WrestleMania does so much box office here in the States and um they they're not going to be able to do that in Japan. They're not but if they do put it on pay per view Maybe maybe we see them doing a lot of numbers. I get the feeling it's just going to be a New Japan World thing, and so maybe it ups their subscriber count by quite a bit just by having a star of Jericho, Jericho's caliber on it, and the interest in this match alone is going to take this event into a whole new stratosphere.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I can tell you, I've never paid for New Japan, and you know, for and I've been watching them for about a year, and I, I've never taken the time to pay for it. But Wrestle Kingdom this year, I will purely because of Chris Jericho. I mean, the intrigue is there to see because his last run in WWE was my favorite run of his. The guy still has it. So to see him against Kenny Omega who legitimately, you know, can stay claim to at least the top 3, maybe the best in the world depending on what style you like, to see Jericho going up against that. We've seen him go against AJ Styles and it was phenomenal. It, no pun intended. So I for the first time, you know, whether it be on pay-per-view or on New Japan World, I will be paying to see a New Japan show. I, I'm excited to put my money into that product and see what they deliver that night. It's going to suck to have to, you know, start watching wrestling at whatever two three a.m. Not excited about that, but hopefully it's worth it.
0: Well, I mean, it'll be on demand as soon as it's over. I, I think New Japan World does a lot like WWE Network in that in that respect. So yeah. it's definitely it's definitely worth it. So if you do get New Japan World, I'm just going to need your password
1: okay sounds fair and you know for me personally like i can go back and watch matches you know on demand and still enjoy them but there's there's just something special to me about watching it as it happens um for for this event you know i'm probably not gonna not gonna do it ever again unless they pull out something insane for wrestle kingdom in 2019 daniel bryan knocking on the door but you know i probably wouldn't do it again but for this event I'll, I'll go ahead and watch it live because I want I don't want to have to worry about spoilers I, I don't want to have to worry about anything like that. I hate trying to avoid that stuff I really appreciate being able to be on social media and interacting with other people from around the world as it's happening So I'm looking forward to doing this for New Japan just a couple months away
0: Yeah, absolutely in New Japan the, Like I said the Wrestle Kingdom show is gonna be one of the biggest events of all time and the main event believe it or not Jericho Omega you know to you American wrestling fans who would think that would be the ma- the main event. No, the the main event's going to be Okada and Naito. And yeah. if anybody thinks that Omega Jericho is going to be the best match on the show, I, I you got another thing coming. It's going to be Omega Naito and I don't even yeah. think it's going to be close. I mean that that is just that's box office. That's going to be a huge attraction and I'm really looking forward to that match. And I think Tanahashi versus um it's a uh, Bushi, right? Ibushi or is it going to be well, um, Jay White?
1: I, yeah, I think it I think it's Jay White because I, I looked at a card earlier and I didn't see a on it because all again, all the way up until this morning, I my assumption was is it was a versus Omega. I thought that was the match that was gonna happen. Um, so you know, obviously things got changed. So from the last I had seen, Ibushi's not on the card quite yet. Clearly, you know, that'll change. He's going to end up on it. But as of right now, I don't think he has an opponent set for it.
0: Yeah, so um, I, I could have swore I saw a thing on Twitter earlier that said it was going to be Tanahashi versus uh, J. White. J. White was Switchblade, and that's been an ongoing ongoing storyline in uh, New Japan. So I, I don't know where that leaves Ibushi. I think Ibushi one of the best guys out there, and uh, hopefully he gets a spot on the card and not as uh, not as Tiger Mask W like last year. <laughs> that was yeah. that was a uh, I thought it was a waste of Ibushi, but um, yeah, I mean Wrestle Kingdom twelve. I I'm excited about it. I will not be watching it live as it happened. I'll be watching it on on demand afterwards because I, you know, I and it's going to be on a weekday, isn't it? Like January fourth. Um, I don't know. I thought
1: it might have been a Saturday night, Sunday morning.
0: Oh well, if it's that, maybe I will do that. But um, I yeah. look, I think it might be a weekday, and if it's on a weekday, then there's you know no possible way I can do it. Yeah. I'm not. I mean, I would love to take leave for wrestling, but it's just not happening.
1: Right. Now, and going back to the main event thing, I, it really does depend on what your definition of a main event is because when Dave Meltzer talks about main events for WrestleMania, you know, it's it's the most heavily promoted match, not necessarily the match that goes on last. Honestly, I, I would say Jericho versus Omega will be the most heavily promoted match. It'll probably be the match that the most new fans are watching for, so it could state claim to main event even if it's not the final match of the night, which obviously Okada and Naito will be.
0: Well, it'll be the most heavily promoted match in the States. But in Japan, make no mistake about it, Okada and Naito is going to be the biggest match in Japan. Like, that's what the Japanese fans are most interested in. Okada, yeah. Okada and Naito are far more popular than Omega is out there. I mean, single uh merchandise outsells Bullet Club merchandise in Japan. Now, worldwide, yeah. it's a different story. Um, cause they have more of a worldwide reach, but in the country of Japan, those guys are the most over.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, there's nothing wrong with going a double main event. I mean, the, that's not bad business yeah. well, at all. Now they, correct typically me if I'm do, wrong.
0: they typically do like a yeah. triple main event style, kind of what WrestleMania does. So they, I mean, yeah. they've really built it up with like their WrestleMania.
1: Right now, Jericho has he's wrestled in New Japan before, right?
0: Oh yeah, yeah. He he wrestled in New Japan in the nineties. He was in the J Cup tournament, which is like where all the the best junior heavyweight wrestlers kind of come together for one big tournament. And he was actually, um, did you read my article about the about the match? Not yet. Oh, okay. So um, he was actually tag team partners with Gato, and Gato is the head booker for New Japan. And he was a tag team partners with Gato in this uh, wrestling promotion that's no longer around called War, which stands for Wrestling and Romance, uh, which is, <laughs> you know, just a, a kind yeah. of a fucked up Japanese kind of. <laughs> it was like DDT before DDT was even around. That was you know War, yeah. and uh, they were a very popular tag team, and um and they're really good friends. Gato was actually on Jericho's podcast, so he's ha- he has plenty of ties to New Japan. And he loves wrestling in Japan. Every time WWE does a tour there, even when he's not actively with the company, he will most he, a lot of times he will go, a to, to wrestle in front of his old fans from Japan, and b to see his old friends like Gato and Jado from uh, from New Japan and uh, Red Shoes and all those guys that he's uh, been friends with. Plus, you know Don Callis is the link, the head English announcer there, and he's from Winnipeg, and Kenny Omega also from Winnipeg. Omega got Callis' job with New Japan. And they all did a podcast together last year. So uh, there's been a lot of connections. I'm sure they've been working on him for a while. He has no contract to WWE whatsoever, so he's free to do as he pleases. But this will be the first time. This was the first time he's appeared on a wrestling show outside of WWE in, what, since 1999. So this is a huge deal.
1: Yeah, and for everybody, there are people out there on, on Twitter right now saying, you know, WWE is getting something from this Jericho wouldn't do this without approval from Vince McMahon
0: no that's wrong
1: that's wrong Chris Jericho is a businessman and he first and foremost cares about his business more than anything else and as he stated You know he has wrestled for New Japan before and he still has connections over there So this is just Jericho, you know going into business for himself Vince McMahon understands what wrestling is He's not going to be offended by this as much as he may or may not hate the Bullet Club He knows the business And he's not going to get offended or blacklist Jericho because when Jericho comes calling and wants to do something with WWE again, Vince McMahon will have him back in a heartbeat. Maybe, maybe Jericho mentioned something to Omega about going to WWE in the future. Maybe not. Who knows? Right. But don't think that this is happening for WWE to get something in return.
0: No, no. He's not like a double agent going to New Japan. (laughs) That's not. That's not. I mean, the feud between New Japan and WWE is not that big. So WWE is clearly head and shoulders above the rest. They have no competition whatsoever. Uh, So this is not one of those things. It's just Jericho probably wanting to live out one of his dreams and wrestle on Wrestle Kingdom 10 or Wrestle Kingdom 12 with one of his friends from Winnipeg and making a shit ton of money. That's all this is about. So everybody calm down with the whole conspiracy theories.
1: Yeah, well, and and I wanted to throw it out there because it was – justin labar who tweeted out today that he's so he,
0: full of shit
1: yeah he said he the only way he sees this working out is if wwe is getting something in return and people try to point out the fact that you know wwe made a trade with tna a couple of years ago for rick flair right. to come in for the hall of fame ceremony
0: but jericho's not that under is, contract it's totally
1: jericho's different. not under contract you know i i have a good working relationship with my last boss but when i want to go and take a new job i don't go and get their permission first and you know pay them or give them some sort of return for letting me work somewhere else that's not how business works yeah now if jericho was still under like a legends deal at least a legends deal maybe it's different but he doesn't even have that he comes and goes as he pleases it's more of a a situation like the rock has where jericho's a draw there's probably a handshake agreement if he's going to work over a longer period of time maybe they do a couple month contract but that's it
0: yeah, absolutely. So hey, let's go ahead and get into this uh, UFC show from last night. I know we're only going to do like a quick uh, <laughs> a quick little show, but I thought, well, since we're on the air already, let's go ahead and talk about the pay-per-view last night. Uh, UFC 217 for, was live from Madison Square Garden last night, live on pay-per-view. They had three title fights, and in my opinion, and I don't know how you feel about this, Joe, but I, I would say it was one of the best UFC pay-per-views of all time.
1: Yeah, man, it' right up there, and it was one of those that made me it really draws me back into UFC and made me remember why I liked watching mixed martial arts in the first place, yeah. because you you have potentially a new star was created last night in Costa. That guy is legit. He, yeah. his, he just, he looks the part, his striking is dangerous and he put Johnny Hendricks down. Yeah. Then did. you have uh, Rose. I, I can't remember her last name. I'm going to have to learn it. <laughs>
0: well, here, let's, uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and run down each match and then we'll kind of yeah. go ahead and talk about it. So uh, the main event, if you guys don't remember, was George St. Pierre coming off a four-year layoff. George was the uh, former welterweight champion. Uh, welterweight is 170 pounds and he's coming off a four-year layoff. He hadn't fought since November of 2013, and he's coming up in weight to fight uh, Michael Bisping, who is a middleweight champion at 185 pounds. And I picked – I didn't do very well in my picks fucking at all. So, <laughs> so, so next time – if you guys are, like, making bets based off of what I say, I just feel bad for you. So, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so uh, they, they had to fight. Uh, George looked a lot bigger than he ever looked before. So he he really He he was huge. He actually looked bigger than Bisping to me. Now, Bisping was like a couple inches taller, but as far as wide and just thickness goes, it, George St. Pierre was just huge. And uh, I thought he had he'd won the first round. He got a takedown. He didn't do much with it. And I thought he outstruck him a little bit. The second round, he got a takedown, didn't do anything with it. Michael got up pretty quickly and then outstruck him. And I thought Bisping won the second round. And in the second round, it looked like George was gassing a little bit. I, I don't know. He was taking a lot of deep breaths. I don't know if he was just trying to conserve his energy or what, but he was not the same GSP that we saw at one hundred and seventy pounds, clearly. And then in the third round, he took him down immediately, and Bisping just started destroying him from his back, He busted him open with uh, elbows. He was bleeding like a stuck pig, bleeding everywhere. They ended up getting stood up, and then uh, it seemed like it was a desperation move to me. Uh, you know, GSP throwing some uh, you know pretty good strikes. It got him with a right hand. Knocked him down, got on top of him, ground him pound with some elbows, and then ended up choking him out. Uh, and uh, Bisping didn't tap; he passed out. So uh, I don't know if that was his uh, way to be a cowboy or what, but yeah, uh, I thought it was a great fight. Uh, how, what did, What did you think of that fight? And what do you think about yeah. George Saint Pierre at middleweight?
1: Yeah, you know he he did look good. I mean, his striking, his his uh, his kicks. I mean, they all just looked so crisp. I mean, he, by purely by his striking, you couldn't tell the guy had ever been away his cardio is what caught me off guard because we're used to seeing gsp be able to go five rounds like it's nothing and he he did get gassed and maybe this is the first time he's fought at that weight he's not used to carrying all that extra muscle i mean it's a 15 pound difference so that that's going to play a factor but everything else looked phenomenal for a guy who hasn't fought in four and a half years i mean i was really impressed i I loved the fight itself. There was never a time I was bored. And seeing Bisping go to sleep, like, you know, any other submission, go ahead and tap out because it's not worth getting your arm or your leg or your ankle broken. You're not going to die from a sleeper hold. I mean, he's going to have to let go eventually. So if you don't want to be the champion who gave up, go to sleep. Let the fight in that way. And I admire that. Like I, I hate Michael Bisping so much, but that, that to me is just awesome.
0: Yeah, I I, th- I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, Bisping actually, I just looked it up, and he said that uh, he he didn't not tap out for a reason. He said he would have tapped out, but he was already passed out before he realized <laughs> he could do that. So because <laughs> that yeah. was a that was a deep deep choke. Um, yeah, I, I I really don't think the GSP stays in middleweight. I just got a hunch. I don't think he wants any part of Robert Whitaker. Uh, Whitaker is a lot bigger than him. He's a lot faster than him. I I think that Whitaker gives him way too much trouble. I think the money fight is George St. Pierre coming back down to Walterweight to fight Tyron Woodley. I, I really do think that's the money fight right there.
1: Now, I, I don't know if I would call that the money fight. I think, I mean, it, there would be a attraction to it, but I think the real money fight is Robbie Lawler going ahead and taking the title off of Woodley and then having Robbie Lawler versus GSP. I think there's more intrigue in that because after after Woodley's last two fights, fans are kind of bored with him. I mean, they booed the shit out of him when yeah. he fought in July. He's he's become a boring fighter, and GSP's not gonna the guy who is going to offset that. He's not going to just take the fight. He's a kind of stand your ground, throw jabs, and make you make mistakes until you know he he connects with you. So I really think a lot of fans recognize that from both fighters, and that would probably be a pretty boring fight. So if it were me, for somebody who would want to, want to spend money on the UFC card. It would be better, money-wise, business-wise, if Robbie Lawler gets GSP at 170.
0: Well, yeah, but I think the ultimate money fight is Connor and GSP, um, yeah, and that's why I clearly. think that I think GSP needs to go down, win the welterweight title, and then do a match with Connor eventually. Uh, I just his future's not in middleweight. All right, so the uh, the next fight was the uh, for the bantamweight championship. It was Cody Garbrandt versus TJ Dillashaw. Again, I was wrong. I picked uh, I picked Cody Garbrandt, <laughs> and I didn't even think it was going to be close. And sure enough, hey, in the first round, I was correct. (laughs) Yeah. Garbrandt had, you know, knocked him down. I think Dillashaw was clearly saved by the bell. And uh, it was a good save because he came back in the second round. He was a different fighter. And uh, Joe Rogan said it best. Uh, Dillashaw uses his kicks and Cody Garbrandt doesn't. And uh, Dillashaw kicked him right in the face. He got up, and then uh, Dillashaw knocked him out. So uh, good for TJ Dillashaw. He's the new uh, Bantamweight champion. Uh, He's a two-time Bantamweight champion and immediately after the fight he uh he called for a match with some guy uh what, what's his uh, some some midget I, some midget fighter named uh, Moose Moose Johnson yeah. Moose, but anyway yeah. uh he he called out uh, Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson uh and he said he would cut to 125 to to do that fight and yeah. I, I i think that is the the fight to make for Dillashaw uh where Cody Garbrandt goes next uh, who knows i think he's going to have to win a couple of fights to get back up in that spot so um yeah, but I, I thought that was a, a really good fight. I was really excited for the fight. I thought it was going to be fight of the year. Turns out it wasn't because it ended so quickly, but uh, it was awesome. What did you think?
1: Yeah, you know, Cody Garbrandt, he has all the tools, but last night was probably the first time he fought emotionally, and you just can't do that. You, you can't go in there and be angry because you're going to make a mistake, and that's what happened. He he was over aggressive. He left his hands down. He—, he Felt like he was expecting the kick to come to the body, and he just completely dropped his hands and took it right to the side of the head. Um, he'll learn from this. I mean, it's the guy's first loss in the UFC, maybe the first loss in his professional career. Um, but you got to go in there with a the level head and not outthink yourself, not get too emotional. Um, I think, you know, I don't know if you heard this, but I, there was a rumor last night that Demetrius Johnson was trying to come into the ring to confront Dillashaw, but there was like a heavy wind from the crowd breathing, and it just carried him away. Uh,
0: You know, I think he did, but he was so low to the ground, the cameras didn't catch him. I think that might have been it, too.
1: That's possible. (laughs) But, (laughs) you know, honestly, after the fight, though, like, I would like to see Garbrandt and Dillashaw again. Uh, I think if if Garbrandt goes in there a little bit with a cleaner head, not so emotional, I think it's a lot better of a matchup. Um, he, He outstruck him in the first round, and when he thought he could potentially have the knockout there, got saved by the bell, he never calmed himself down, and he just overthought
0: yeah, you know, it's one of those things if those guys fought 20 times, you know, they'd probably split it down the middle. So, yeah. But I, I do think he needs to fight a couple times before he gets back into the title picture because he lost pretty decisively. Uh, the next fight was for the uh, Women's Strawweight Championship. That's one hundred fifty pound, 115 pounds, sorry. Uh, it was uh, a Young-Jek-Jek, the, uh, the boogie woman, uh, against Rose Thug Naman Yunus. And uh, Naman Yunus knocked the fuck out of her. She in did. A com- in a complete shocker. Uh, she was calm, cool, and collected. She just, you know, was not overwhelmed by the moment. Uh, I think, uh, and I I actually said it in my article for gtppodcast.com, uh, that uh, she overmatched a clearly cocky champion and made herself a star. And I think that's exactly what she did.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, watching the weigh-ins of her just... You know, young Jacek getting in her face and just you know trying to be very intimidating and Rose just standing there reciting the Lord's Prayer, just as calm and stone-faced as you can be, was badass. Like, she didn't feel overwhelmed by the moment at all. She went in there, and I mean, from what I—it was the first time I've watched her fight. From what I've heard, she is a submission specialist, and to see somebody like that go out and box the champion and knock her out cold—like, knocked her out cold— where the champion had to tap out due to strikes. Yeah. You don't see that every day. That was badass
0: yeah and i i think they do an immediate rematch here i know i know it was decisive but joanna has you know defeated everybody and it hasn't even been close uh i think she came in overconfident she got caught early um i'm not trying to take anything away from Nami unis's you know performance but i i think that you know young jay chick was the ronda rousey of that division basically and i i really do think they do an immediate rematch here
1: yeah and one thing we've learned i mean it's it's interesting to see how champions like that bounce back from their first loss. I mean, Ronda Rousey got it, and, and she didn't come back from it. I mean, she she fought again, but she was not the same, and she got knocked out decisively again.
0: Yeah. Well, Conor her, McGregor? It, yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: I said, well, Conor McGregor, he, he went out there and got tapped out to, to Diaz and came out better than ever. So it's going to be interesting to see how a champion handles a, a decisive defeat like that.
0: Yeah, well, Joanna doesn't have the outside distractions that Ronda Rousey does. Like she's not doing movies and commercials and all that stuff. So, um, fighting is her only love, and I see her coming back better than ever.
1: We, I mean, I hope so. Um, what, the women's divisions—they're always—it's always a good fight for me. Like I'm—I was not really excited when they first brought them into the UFC, but the more I've watched them um you know and became not such a piece of shit and was just hoping to see a teddy fall out the more i actually paid attention to women fights they tend to be the best fights on the card oh and last I, I last think, night i think it. i'm
0: gonna have to cut that
1: <laughs> okay
0: no i'm just kidding go ahead
1: <laughs> no i just said last night really proved it that there there's so much skill set in there and a lot of the names you don't necessarily get to hear as much but when you sit down and watch them fight They're always some of the best fights on the card. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and last night just really showed that you need to pay attention to women fights more often because there's a lot more talent out there than you'd ever realize.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, I thought that was a great. Ma- I thought that was a great fight. I think uh, Naomi Yunus knocked her into the upside down. Uh, I thought that was pretty <laughs> cool because <laughs> uh, Naomi Yunus looks just like Eleven from season one of the Stranger. Yeah. League, so <laughs>
1: that's exactly what I said yeah. last night.
0: Yeah. Um, uh, the next fight was Stephen Wonderboy Thompson defeating Jorge Masvidal by unanimous decision. Um, not much to say about the fight. I I, I thought uh, they got it right. I think Masvidal won a round but for the most part it was all steven Stephen thompson masvidal had no answers for him
1: yeah i mean i i had it two rounds to one but there was some uh 30 26 scores in there which was probably the only confusing thing about that fight to me
0: uh yeah me well back. it's because uh this said thompson got a 10-8 but yeah it's new york so they're new to mma so what are you gonna do um yeah. the guy you were talking about earlier uh paulo costa Defeated a future Bellator fighter, Johnny Hendricks, uh, <laughs> by uh, by TKO and uh, at one twenty three of round number two. Uh, I agree with you. I think Paulo Costa is going to be a huge star. He's uh, a middleweight. He's undefeated. I think he's 11 and zero now. He's learning English. He's jacked to the gills. If this guy doesn't test positive for steroids, I think the UFC has a huge star in the making.
1: Yeah, exactly. And honestly, I again hadn't watched Costa before last night, but. Immediately when I seen Hendrix walk into the ring, I said, This guy's gonna lose because he was flabby. I mean, he's he's had an issue with his work ethic, with his conditioning. And you could see it last night. I mean, there was some jiggle to his belly, and the only guy who can pull that off and be kind of successful is Roy Nelson. Yeah. Johnny Hendrix is not that guy. He's gotta be in shape when he steps in there. And not saying if he would have been in better shape, it would have made the difference last night because Costa does look like just an absolute animal but you can't go into a fight in the ufc in that kind of condition and expect to be able to win now
0: yeah uh, i think johnny hendrix's days as a top fighter are over i think the ufc cuts this guy soon and uh, like i said he ends up in bellator and uh, you know he'll be fighting Chelsea sonnen or somebody down the road <laughs> but uh, yeah <laughs> so on the uh the main event of the fs1 pre-show uh, i don't know if you got a chance to watch any of these so i'll just kind of run through them. Uh, James Vick defeated uh, Joseph Duffy by TKO. I actually, on the show last week, I called him Patrick Duffy, so whoops. Uh, (laughs) But uh, Iris Joe Duffy is, uh, get this, from Ireland, so who'd have thunk it? Uh, Yeah, (laughs) yeah, he defeated him by TKO punches at 4.59 of round number two. Uh, In the heavyweight division, they had Mark Godbeer defeating Walt Harris by disqualification. Uh, Walt Harris uh, kicked him in the nuts, and then while the referee was trying to stop it, he kicked him in the face and then got disqualified, (laughs) so... There you go. Uh, Ovin St. Preux defeated uh, Corey Anderson in the light heavyweight division by knockout via head kick at 125 of round number three. And then afterwards, Ovin St. Preux called out Iller Latifi, uh, who is a Swedish fighter who sucks. So I think he's just looking to pat his record on that one. Uh, Randy Brown defeated uh, Mickey Gall. Mickey Gall is famous for uh, knocking the fuck out of CM Punk, and he also beat Sage Northcutt. Uh, turns out he's not as good as we thought he was. He uh, defeated uh, he was defeated by unanimous decision. And uh, Curtis Blades in the heavyweight division defeated Alexey Olenek by TKO doctor stoppage at 156 round two. And the uh, the curtain jerker was Ricardo Ramos defeating uh, Ayman Zahabi, who is uh, Faraz Zahabi's uh, brother. Faraz Zahabi being George St. Pierre's head coach. Um, knocked him out with a spinning back elbow at 158 of round number three. So, there you go. That was a complete USC 217 rundown. If uh, if you're listening to the show and you realize that XWT is your friend, uh, I would say this is a a definite go out of your way to watch this this pay per view. It was one of the best, one of my favorite pay per views I've ever seen. So,
1: yeah, no, absolutely, man. I I watched the uh, the James Vic fight. Didn't get to watch much else of so the prelims, but the entire pay per view. Was just phenomenal like they they delivered um, Definitely got my money's worth out of it And like I said, it may be one of those cards that it reminded me why I liked MMA in the first place and will probably get me to watch more UFC in the future
0: Absolutely. Well, hey, that's gonna do it for us everybody. Uh, we're gonna get ready to watch the 49ers uh, Get defeated by the Arizona Cardinals today <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, Although Jimmy Johnson did did pick uh, the 49ers today. I have no there idea why. I don't know what he's got uh, but. It's
1: because Drew Stanton is going to be taking snaps of the Cardinals and not Colin Kaepernick because Drew Stanton apparently is a better quarterback.
0: I guess. I guess. Uh, I guess Colin Kaepernick is uh, going to interview with the Texans tomorrow. So there you go. Uh, all right, everybody, that's going to do it for us for uh, today. This is a special edition breaking news audio of the Podcast Express. Check us out on Thursday night. Uh, we'll be dropping a new episode, a, a full episode, a full one hour of glory. And uh, follow us on uh, Twitter at the Pod Express. Uh, Joe, you are
1: at Joe Gilbert 1992. And I'm at Get Up
0: Mike. Also uh, check out the Garbage Time Points podcast. They are at GTP Mike and Rick and at GTP podcast and you can check out our stuff on gtppodcast.com. All right everybody, thank you. Bye.